hello all on a that Thursday intro. night. Yeah, what a banging intro. We, uh, we've actually got that rock version of the Champions League, courtesy of Tempest Quartet from Mexico, who have absolutely been legends and let us use that intro. But welcome to the first Two Up Top Champions League review show with myself, Cotton, and I've got Ed Hall with me. Hello, hello. It's, it's, uh, nice, it's nice to be able to talk about Tuesday night and Wednesday night football again without feeling upset about it. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we'll <laughs> right. So we will get to that. We will. Yeah, I say without getting upset about it. I've, I shouldn't have said that. Without further ado, we are going to jump straight into the action with Group A and Tuesday's games, I believe. So straight away, we had Atletico Madrid only getting a draw away at Locomotive Moscow. That is drop points. It is drop points. It is drop points. It looked like a really promising start for Atletico. Um, great header from Jose Jimenez, who doesn't get on the score sheet that often. Um, the the equaliser came from a penalty from a handball from Hector Herrera. It's harsh, man. It's it's harsh. Like it's come off his head before it's touched his hands, but his hands are out in an. I wouldn't say a natural position, but his hands are out and have touched his hand off the header. I think it's a bit harsh. I understand they have to give it for the rules. That wasn't even the best part of the VAR thing. Ed, do you want to tell them what the best part of the VAR for that penalty the was? Best, the best thing about the VAR was Luis Suarez creeping over to the monitor so he can get in the referee's ear to... I don't know what. I don't, I don't know what any of these players hope to achieve. But instantly, the referee books him, yellow card, you're on your last chance, said. Luis Suarez, in typical fashion, can't believe what's happened. He's yeah, yeah, he's, he's tried to get a peek and see and see whether it was a penalty or not. And uh, you could see the other players were literally standing on the byline, um, <laughs> like like school kids shouting at him, like he's there, he's there, he's behind you, he's behind you. <laughs> um, pure pure pantomime from Suarez as usual. Uh, penalty was dispatched with, with pretty pretty much no no effort from. Uh, oh, Black, he's not going to get near it. Uh, Atletico have never been beaten by a Russian side in the Champions League, and even a draw keeps that run continuing. I don't think that's a record they're going to be happy about, though. That's drop points when you're chasing a team like Bayern Munich. I mean, drawing against perhaps your second place rivals is such a big defeat, even though you lost, even though you drew the game. Sorry, yeah. Atletico pushed for it. They did. They did look like the closer of the two to get to get the winner, but it it was just it just wasn't there. Do you think um, Atletico will push on a bit more? Because, for example, last year they had uh, Morata. This year they have Luis Suarez. Most of the team is pretty identical, though. You've still got Oblak. You've still got Trippier. You've still got that solid defensive unit. Is was? Do you think Suarez is the one to take him that few rounds further? Um. I don't know. He's he's more of a clinical finisher. Like you know, as much as they've had Costa and Costa's good and, and Morata was good, you know if, if Suarez the ball drops to him in the box, it's a goal. But I don't think I don't think he adds like another dimension to him that, that they need. I know you've got Xiao Felix. Xiao Felix looks like the one at the minute that's gonna be making things happen if they do progress and go further. I think it's more Felix and Suarez at the minute. Okay. And uh speaking speaking of Bayern Munich. In the, in the same group as well, Bayern Munich beat Salzburg 6-2 away from home, which sounds like a really convincing scoreline, but 
it was anything but up until the 79th minute, 79th minute. So the game started uh, with Lewandowski. Oh no, uh, Barisha, Barisha scoring. Oh, hello. I've had a little a little bump my table. Uh, yeah, Barisha, pretty 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 good goal to start start things off. Uh, Lewandowski equalised from the penalty spot. Uh, there was a penalty ruled out. Uh, the VAR ruled out a penalty for Bayern Munich, which was rightfully so. Um, it looked at first glance like Lucas Hernandez had um, uh, had foul, uh, had been fouled, but he actually was the player fouling. It wasn't actually a penalty that was equaliser. It was just a Lewandowski goal. Um, but there, the, it was a real, real end-to-end game between these two teams, and it was a, it was a really good game to watch. Um, Salzburg. After Lewandowski scored, uh, Christian it was a Christiansen own goal that put Bayern Munich two one up. Uh, not not much he could have done about it. Uh, Okagawa scored a very good goal to make it to make it two all. Um, it was a great pass to set him up. Great pass. He'd only been on and Okagawa had only been on the pitch seconds as well. Uh, did you see the goal, Ed? Yeah, I saw the goal. Very I'll give Salzburg credit because I think people forget this is a Salzburg side which last year possessed Haaland up front. To lose a player of that kind of magnitude, despite how small of a name he probably was in the grand scheme of things then, psychologically that can do a lot of damage to a club, especially a club that's coming against Bayern Munich, the reigning champions. So yeah. to be 2-all at 80 minutes in when you're touted to get smacked, and in the end you technically did get smacked, but... At the 80th minute or the 79th minute, it all went to pot. For Salzburg. Yeah, Salzburg had they had chances. They they had chances, but yeah, then the 79th minute, um, just a nice nice in swinging corner, Boateng head on it, three two, easy as you like. Like as a defender, you probably won't score an easier header than that. Um, then it then it kicked into life. Uh, Sane on uh, just inside the edge of the box. Uh, cuts inside, left foot, top corner. I thought it took a deflection, mm-hmm. but apparently, looking at the second angle, it didn't. But I, st- I don't know. But it went top corner. It was very, very, very good finish from Sane. So that was four-two. Game's pretty much won. But Bayern, as they do with the quality of players that they do, just stepped up that gear again. And Lewandowski scored again. And then to wrap things off, Lucas Hernandez scored a pretty fortuitous goal but a goal nonetheless to make it 6-2 to Bayern Munich. I'm not going to lie, I had this on my ACA and on the 75th, 70-something minute, considered cashing out and it had me worried, but Bayern Munich just absolutely powering through Europe again. Bayern have scored 12 goals in their opening three matches, usually to the bookies, even though perhaps Manchester City have been tipped favourites every year for some unknown reason. The The... the Reigning champions are usually touted as the favourites. But I think it goes about saying, as well as the bookies' favourites, Bayern Munich are probably two up top favourites. I think I've speak oh, for yeah. both two up top when I say that. Bayern Munich are definitely the team to beat. They're it's super. just an a- absolute embarrassment of riches. And this game was one of those situations where it was just um, the class to shone in the end. The, uh, they were two all for, for a lot of the game. Salzburg were in it for so long, but you can only stay in it for so long. And then the class of Bayern shone through, and, and that was it. And that and that was enough to to take the win, which leaves the group looking like this: Bayern Munich have nine points after three games. Atletico have 
four points after three games, which, like we were saying, that draw to Locomotive really isn't good enough. Uh, you would think that Atletico would win their remaining games, maybe bar the Bayern one, but it's still still pretty grim reading. It's very grim reading for Salzburg at the bottom there. Three games played, one draw, two losses, and the goal difference doesn't look great if it's minus five. Ed, who's going through that group? Okay, of course, Bayern's going through in that group, and I would back Atletico as anyone would back Atletico. But even with Salzburg being at the bottom of the group, it is still in their hands. With a performance like that for 79 minutes against Bayern Munich, they could still qualify. But it's looking like Atletico. Locomotive are probably... If anyone's going to beat Atletico to it, it's going to be them. But I still expect Atletico to qualify. Yep, same. I'd say say those two go through. There was a very big shock um, on the cards. Shakhtar, who had beaten Real Madrid, taken a point off of Inter Milan from this group, which obviously was a bit bit of a shock to everyone. Mm -hmm. They've been absolutely slapped 6-0 by Mönchengladbach. Now... Did you see this coming? Let's not forget that going into this game, Inter Milan and Real Madrid were in third and fourth. It was these two teams which held first and second, and it's these two teams who still are first and second. So I was expecting a 2-2, a 2-1. I even backed Shakhtar to win. I didn't base it off any statistics or anything or anything factual. I just went for my gut feeling. I did not expect a 6-0 hammer in. A 6-0. Shakhtar didn't even score a goal and I, ne- I don't look at watching Gladbach and go that's a defensive unit but perhaps maybe I need to watch some more Bundesliga if that's the kind of performances watching Gladbach shook it out but uh, no I don't think they're a defensive unit but I look at that, Bund- that uh, Munching Gladbach team and player and Churam uh, have been terrorising the, the Bundesliga for the last year or two um, I do have down here about how hilarious the Bondar own goal is Um uh, he won't want to see that again. Uh, you might want to see that again, so go look it up. It's an absolute cracker. Uh, player's second goal, I think that was the one on the 26th minute from player. Absolute rocket. Absolute rocket. The guy, the guy's got it all. He's he's a bit... Don't kill me for saying this. He reminds me slightly of like a Ebra sort of player. He's 6'2", 6'3". He's a big lad, but he can move. He's got such a powerful shot. He's good in the air. He's good with his feet. And I don't think, I don't think player or Choram will be at Munchen Gladbach for much longer. Uh, ben Sabaini scored, Stindl scored, and then just towards the end of the game, with ten minutes left, basically, player completed the hat trick, which which he thoroughly deserved on the night. Munchen Gladbach completely outclassed Shakhtar. I don't know how you pick yourself up from from that sort of a game at home. I, I mean, they're pretty lucky there was no home fans in the ground, I suppose. Because that would have been that would have been a horrible thing to walk off to. Ed, Munching Gladbach, are they going through this group or have Real Madrid and Inter Milan just just need to kick into the gear in the last few games and and just put it? Only one of Real Madrid or Inter Milan is going through. Not both of them. Both of them can do it. Both of them can do it easily. But I think it's going to be Inter in truth. But I wouldn't be surprised if either one of them dropped out. Shakhtar, I don't think they've got enough. This was actually quite a vital game when you look at the result uh, yeah. in the Real Madrid game. So I'd actually back much and go back to go through. And Real Madrid, probably first, actually. No, but to be fair, saying that, Real Madrid don't look as tight as they used to be. 
So, no, so I, wouldn't, no. I wouldn't be surprised if either Inter Milan or Real Madrid got through as runners-up, which would leave them in a difficult, potential difficult fixture for the round of 16. It is. So, Real Madrid and Inter Milan played each other. And it finished Real Madrid 3, Inter Milan 2. Uh, I didn't see it going this way. I had Inter Milan due to um, Madrid's last two performances in the Champions League. They've, they've been absolutely woeful. But they opened the scoring. Uh, Kareem Benzema. It was a it was a hit, horror, horror, horror back pass from Hakimi. Uh, he's basically on the, on his own halfway line by the touchline, and it's almost an inch perfect through ball to Benzema. That's how bad of a back pass it is. Benzema's he he's so far offside, obviously, because there's not much going on. He's just hanging around. So when the ball's played back to him, he literally rounds the keeper. Easy as you like. You do not give players like Kareem Benzema that sort of opportunity for free. Otherwise, this is what happens. Uh, then, landmark moment. Real Madrid went 2-0 up and Sergio Ramos scored his 100th goal for Real Madrid. Ed, he's a defender. I know, he's a centre-back. Without a doubt, we're watching, no matter what you think of him, and as a Liverpool fan myself, he's dealt me some damage. Some emotional hurt. He is he is one of the best. You are looking at one of the greats. If you were going to make a Champions League eleven, Sergio Sergio Ramos gets in that one hundred percent. A hundred goals for his club, and he's won four Champions Leagues. He single handedly won the one against Atletico Madrid. And and how many how many La Liga titles has he got? How many how many Copa del Rey's? Like the guy's an absolute unit. He's he's, he's a born winner. He's a born winner. Yeah, you won't 100%. see many like him again. Now, as it is before 9pm, we cannot show you Barella's back heel in the lead-up to Martinez's goal because it is X-rated. It's absolutely... Oh, it's fantastic. It's, it is FIFA Street. That's how you respond. Yeah. It's, do you know what? It's not even like FIFA. It's FIFA Street. It's just literally the ball comes at him and he just does some Kung Fu Panda back heel straight through to Lachiro Martinez, who who's not going to miss from that from that close. He's predator in the box. Makes it 2-1, uh, gives in a little bit of hope. They then equalised through Perisic in the 68th minute. And I genuinely thought, fair enough, I thought that was a fair reflection of the game for them both to be drawing. Didn't really see anyone grabbing it. And then Zidane made some changes and his two substitutes linked up for the goal and Rodrigo scored with a powerful effort in the 80th, 80th minute to conclude the scoring to make it Brown Madrid 3 into 2 now Inter Milan did have a chance just before Rodrigo scored um, it was Lachua Martinez hit the crossbar with, with a great with a great curling effort but there was a player over that he could have squared like could have squared it to it might not have worked but and then literally Real Madrid went up the other end and scored. So, mm. so let's look at the table for one second. D. One second before we move on. One second before we move on. This was clearly the standout fixture. You could have picked either way because both managers are under pressure. You've got Conte who missed out, finished second last year against uh, Juventus, which is not an easy challenge to overcome. But still, they they had a strong investment and they lost. Real Madrid are not the Real Madrid of Zidane's old tenure. So they're both no. under pressure, both these teams. And I'll tell you what, after the Europa League loss against Sevilla and a potential 
again, the only reason they was in that Europa League was because they didn't qualify in the group the previous year in the Champions yeah. League. So if they do have two successive years of that, on top of the second place finish and the Europa League loss, Conte surely has to lose his job. And I'm not, I, and I like him as a manager, but he's been brought in to achieve a minimum, and he's not even meeting that. No, he, they, they were the favourites against Sevilla. So if they don't get to the last sixteen, I expect that to be the end of Conte's around. Well, this is how the group looks with Inter Milan, as you were saying. Uh, it's a very tight group. Don't get me wrong, but Inter Milan dead bottom, played three. <laughs> Lost one, drawn two on two points. Real Madrid only just better than them. We've played three, won one, drawn one, lost one. And the two table toppers, Gladbach on five points and Shakhtar on four. Now, like I said earlier about kicking on, you would very much expect Real Madrid and Inter to, to win their remaining matches against either two teams. Mm-hmm. You'd expect. Now, this season has been anything but what you'd expect. So... Who knows? Ed, who goes through this group? Uh, Real Madrid and Gladbach. Gladbach. Um, Real Madrid and Gladbach. Yeah. Um, the thing is, you just have a look at that goal difference. I mean, Shakhtar Donetsk, I know this was majority of this come in this one game. In fact, uh, they scored, they conceded two against Real Madrid. So they're leaking goals, Shakhtar Donetsk. So I can't see them being able to maintain and push for the remainder of the three games. Inter Milan have a minus one goal difference. Inter Milan. Yeah. Lukaku, Lukaku, Martinez. I'm sorry, I cannot see them going through. They've got three games to change yet. If they get nothing short of a win in the next game, they are out of it. That's the one. Moving on in the next group, in Group C, we had Porto beating Marseille 3-0. Now, this was Andro Villas-Boas's return to the club where he won the Europa League. Andre Villas-Boas is probably the, the, the worst hype job in the history of football. Um, Mourinho too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He, he, came, he, he, came up through the, he came up through the ranks, didn't he? Now, yeah. this was Porto's sixth win in seven home games in the Champions League. It could have been scarier. Morega scored in the fourth minute, but Dimitri Payet missed a penalty and it was awful. Um still circling the earth right now, basically. Um, the penalty for Porto for Oliveira is so dumb and senseless. villas Boas must have been literally pulling his hair out. It's just... And he's got a good set of hair. He has got... Well, mm, a lovely finish <laughs> from Diaz. Lovely finish from Diaz from the edge of the box. Literally strokes it, places it bottom bottom corner from the edge of the box. Nice little daisy cutter. Mm-hmm. The, I think the most important thing to take away from this is probably the craziest stat if you're in the Champions League. But Marseille have lost 12 Champions League games in a row. That is not, When I heard that stat from the commentator, I couldn't believe it. 12 games in a row. Yeah, oh, so I, I then thought, oh, is it 12 away games? Nope, they've lost 12 games in a row. So basically, every year they qualify, they just get slapped. Like they, it's, it's, a, it's a miracle that they've got into the Champions League this year. So but that's a reflection on the league itself. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, I don't think Vilas Boas has got long left at Marseille, but we've been wrong in the past. In the same group, Manchester City with a similar scoreline beat Olympiacos 3-0. Uh, Ferran Torres with a wonderful goal 
finish was great. Meg the keeper, but the build up was was City at their best. One touch passing, clinical clinical passing as well. Every pass was decisive. It was it was so good. Now that is now three goals in three games in the Champions League for for, for Ferran Torres, which is. Uh, is is he a hype job or is is he the real deal? Is he only performing well because he's having to play up front because there's no Aguero and Jesus who came on later? Of course, that's the only reason he's playing up front. That if he continues to score goals, he will stay in that position. We mentioned a point in our Premier League show, which you can watch Sundays at nine o'clock. Cotton mentioned the fact that he missed plenty of opportunities at the weekend. Yeah, he, he did, yeah. He finds himself in a lot of good positions, but he doesn't take them. Again, uh, he did it. Again, he, did, he did it again in this game. But then I say perhaps Mohamed Salah does the same thing. Yeah, he gets an absolute ton of opportunities. But if he's still ending up in these positions, and you've got a team like Man City that possesses Phil Foden, Kevin De Bruyne, perhaps that's your man. Aguero's on the way out. You probably need a player like that who's going to cause a team ninety minutes of hurt. What I would say as well is you can you can train. He's still very young. You you can be coached decent finishing. The ability to to end yourself up in those positions and have the the mental awareness to find the attacking positioning that he does to to create these chances. He's not finishing them yet, but he's finding himself in these positions. You can't you can try and teach that, but you if you've got it, you've got it. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. he he's still young. Who knows? In a few years, we might be we might be looking at this guy. As a top goal scorer, we the don't new know. Nino, new Torres. There we go. Uh, City. It was it was a pretty pretty dull game. Uh, Sterling had uh, an attempt ruled off for offside until the eighty first minute when Jesus absolutely tonks one. It's a very tight angle. He's almost close to the byline. Um, it goes top top net, rolls around. I'm as much as I love a near post smash. I'm always looking at the keeper in that instance. It's a, he's hit it very hard. It's a very good strike, but I'd be upset if it was my goalkeeper. Of course you would. Of course you would. Like it is, nobody should be beating near post. Uh, and then Cancelo made it three 0 and City, City pretty much just wrapping up, wrapping up the group. Have you noticed how which... City perform better in the Champions League against side which play their own? attacking football when they come up against a Premier League unit it just sits back City struggle that's why yeah. you see them popping up with these 1-0 win against Sheffield United they had a 1-0 draw against West Ham who I admit have been playing more open football but West Ham really didn't open the floodgates against City they wouldn't dare but um, and I always find that really strange because City have the players with the passes that can unlock defences and they and they have got the creativity but they do seem in the last few years, like Leon, Atalanta, teams like that have caused them have caused them issues when they've come up against them. Yeah, exactly that. Which leaves the group table looking as such. As much as we're saying the Man City struggle against those sort of teams, they've played three, one, three with a goal difference of eight. Porto have played three, one, two. And it looks like I mean, I can't see anyone else going through other than those two. Marseille, though, again, as we said, they've lost their last twelve in a row. They're currently played three, lost three with a goal difference of minus seven. Uh, Olympiacos, look, Europa League bound, I think. Um, pretty much where it should be. Ed, who goes through the group? Is it the top two? It's going to look exactly how you say it. But Olympiacos yeah. could surprise someone, but I wouldn't put money on it. 
No. So moving on, we had, I wouldn't say necessarily a shock result. Um, I expected Liverpool to win. Didn't expect, expect them to beat Atalanta 5-0. No. Um, Atalanta Not had a very good season. Not concerned. I had I had like they had such a great season last season. I had a great run in, in, in Europe last season. I thought Liverpool would win, but I didn't think it'd be this much uh, of a riot sort of thing. Uh, Jota's Jota was just unplayable, absolutely unplayable. But I would say I'm Ed. You can run through the goals in a minute, but I if, if that was if that was my goalkeeper, there's a couple of those where. He's come for one, he's in no man's land. So then he's trying to prove a point for another one of them and he's come and he's again, he's got himself in no man's land and he's been rounded and, and, and it's a goal. There's a few of them I'm looking at the goalkeeper, a few of them. What, I think it was a Salo goal. He's literally a, a ball over the top and he's through on goal. I'm looking at that defence and I'm looking at that goalkeeper and thinking it's not been a great day at the office. But take it away, Ed. Talk me through these goals. Well, I was surprised that Liverpool come out straight away. I mean, Jota, as you said, was unplayable. From minute one, he was causing trouble. I think it was actually the first attack of the game he could have scored. Um, Jota, though, uh, it's a through ball. Jota comes in on the outside of the player and he has the audacity to do a little flick as the keeper's nose bombing him. Fuck a spitfire, this keeper. Yeah. Jota knows what he's going to do, so he easily chips him. The second such goal... A, such a classy finish. Such a classy finish. Well, it was, it was a classy performance. The second goal, the ball gets whipped in from Joe Gomez. Just to throw yeah. that one out there, Joe Gomez with the assist, um, showing a bit of Van Dijk passing in him, which we like to see. For Jota controls the ball, flicks it with his left foot, spins, sticks it onto his right foot and bombs it into the bottom left of the corner. Keeper's got no chance. And I can't blame the keeper too much for that one. I was surprised he was able to get on his right foot in truth. The third goal was a cross-country sprint. Uh, Mohamed Salah from the halfway line. is. When you see goals like that, I don't expect them to go in because I feel a player has too much time to think about. He has two players chasing him. He runs from the halfway line. The keepers come forward. Salah's stopped the play and just put it onto his left foot like it was a training session and just put it at top ends. You know... I've got to give credit, uh, credit to Salah because when he's in them positions, he did it against Arsenal, he did it against Burnley. He's very good. He's very good at them situations. Uh, do, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a massive Salah fan and it's not because I love Roma. It's literally just, I think, at the end at the end of last season when we did the two up top awards, I put Salah in instead of Mane and it was a bit like controversial. Sometimes I genuinely don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Like, everyone just... I don't like when people talk about him as a, as a striker because I don't think he is a striker. He is a winger, but he's got like, all the types of goals he scores. He has like every attribute. He he has the pace. He has the dribbling. He does have the finishing. He has the close finishing. He has the long shots. I genuinely, like, I do think, to say he's underrated would be silly, but I think he just kind of gets pushed to the side a little bit and, and, and unfairly. It's because of how many opportunities he gets a game. You see a lot of, of uh, wastefulness from Salah. You see some self selfishness from Salah. I was going to say, he's very dive. selfish as well. You yeah. see some diving from Salah. And I think a lot of people remember this Salah who was playing for Chelsea, he was playing for Roma. So the initial picture they've got at Salah, they can't imagine he's gone to this next level. They can't imagine yeah. he's broke the goal record held by Shearer, Suarez and Ronaldo. You know, Salah's because, scored 101 goals for Liverpool now. 
101 yeah, goals. Yeah, basically, if, if you don't score 30 goals in your first season in the Premier League these days, you're right off and you get sent back out to Italy and you get sent back where, where whence she came, which is stupid. Uh, another reason he gets overlooked is because Sadio Mane, who scored in the 49th minute. Yeah, that was a fantastic goal again. It was simple, though. It was just a long through ball. We've got the players to run in behind the player. Sadio Mane is coming in on the left. And once again, the keeper commits. Mane does what Mane does best and just digs the keeper. You see a lot of this from Mane. He loves to score these kind of goals, but he's just electric. You know, Sadio Mane looks like a centre mid winger and a striker all in one package. I've always thought that about Mane. And Mane then went on from scoring a goal to being the assister. He passed the ball to Jota, who once again, you guessed it, runs past the player and then just tucks it into his net. It was a, it was a, it was a, I don't want to use the word world class because world class gets tossed around too, too much. But it was a great performance on Jota's, I think it's Jota's second Champions League appearance. Yeah, so Jota scored four goals now. Four goals yeah. in the Champions League. He's the top scorer. He scored seven goals since joining Liverpool. And let's not forget, Jota's joined one of the, one of the deadliest attack forces in Europe in the last three years. To come into that from Wolves with such confidence deserves the plaudits. But I want to talk a little bit about Roberto Firmino because let yeah, me ask you. Roberto Firmino is getting criticised a lot because I feel like Liverpool have been the top team in the last two years. Therefore, we've been in the public eye a bit more. Everyone's watching Liverpool. And I feel like a lot of fans are watching... To, waiting to see if they slip up like people used to do to United. Yeah. And even though we win games, they still take away from it. Well, Firmino keeps missing. Firmino's poor. Firmino needs to get out. And I'll admit, he does seem a bit out of form. But I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Because, yes, he's not a natural striker. Yes, he is a forward for anyone who says he's not. He joined Liverpool as a midfielder. And he plays like a false nine anchor kind of role for Liverpool. But that's not enough for some players. But what do you think of Firmino quickly? Do you rate him or do you think... I, I understand if you want Jota in the team, but tell me right now, off the quick, I only want a quick answer. Do you rate Firmino? Yes. As, okay. Uh, what do you think of Marcus Rashford? Uh, yeah, I like, I like Rashford. Um, I think Rashford's better out wide than he is um, up front, I think. Okay, so you like Rashford. We all like Rashford. We think he's a top talent, great human being as much as a player. You know, he absolutely demolished Leipzig. I had a look at Roberto Firmino. He joined Liverpool in 2015-16. Do you want to know who else made their debut in 2015-16? Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford, you guessed it. Marcus Rashford has scored 74 goals and 41 assists. That's quite impressive. Do you know what Firmino's got? 77 goals and 57 assists. So, just to put that out there, 77 goals and 57 assists. He's got 14... He's got four... Sorry, he's got 16 more assists and three more goals than Rashford. And he gets absolutely criticised and obliterated. I could name you 10 times Firmino scored a winner in a tight game for this. Like, I understand he's not informed, but to criticise him so much when he actually has been very effective for us is absurd. What do you think? And honestly, like in the least condescending manner, like because Liverpool are good again now, 
this is what happens, man. This is what happens. Yeah. Like you, Liverpool have set their own bar so high. And to be fair, Firmino, when he first came in, he was scoring a lot of goals. He's getting a lot he of assists. Number, he was a midfielder when he joined. Yeah, yeah. Like the bar has been set so high that it's just, it is what it is, man. And like, it is very, I think it is very lazy to just dismiss Firmino and what he does because he doesn't get enough goals or he went X amount of games without getting a home goal or whatever it was. Like obviously the joke is he's a, he's a defensive tracky star, blah 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 blah. Like everyone laughs about this, whatever. He does still offer a lot to the team. Now, people people do forget that Liverpool play a system where they don't have like a real recognised striker. They do play with almost a false nine or inverted wingers and whatnot. So it's not necessary that that you've got every single player scoring. 40, 50 goals. I mean, Salah and Mane, look how many goals they scored last season. You don't need your centre-forwards in, in that case, in that system, to be scoring X, Y, Z. It's not that Firmino wasn't taking his chances. A lot of the time he's unselfish and he's laying them off or he, or he is setting up. I do... I think if Liverpool do if Liverpool do want to kick on to the next level, I think they would be better off having a proper striker with Mane and Salah. I do think that. But that's just, again, opinion. Mm-hmm. I think I do think that the Firmino criticism is is probably a little bit a little bit too harsh, but it's just again it's just lazy, isn't it? It's people people will see that he's a striker or a centre forward, and they'll look at his goal scoring record. That's it. No nobody nobody wants to watch football anymore. They just want to talk about stats, and they oh, yeah. they just want to get. They just want to get straight away on Twitter and be like, well, you're saying this player's not that good or, or you're saying he's going through a dry spell, but he scored two more expected goals per game than your favourite player. Like, that's all it is at the minute. Yeah, and and it's, it, it's, it's horrible. Like, just watch the game, enjoy it. If you genuinely, if you genuinely watch Liverpool games and you watch the whole game, the whole 90 minutes, and you watch the football properly, if you can't appreciate what Firmino's doing, then the game's not for you. <laughs> Exactly that. But, you know, Liverpool comfortably went 5-0, go top of their group. Um, happy as a fan, you'll be entertaining as a neutral spectator. But Liverpool will have to play at Atalanta again at Anfield. It'd be curious to see how that game unfolds. Yeah, it will. In the same group, Ajax, in a frenetic first 30 minutes, uh, went 2-1 up against Midgetland and finally won the game. Santos scored in 47 seconds to put Ajax 1-0 up. They then went 2-0 up with one of those things that you don't see that often. It was an indirect free kick in the box due to a pass yeah, back. it was. And there's only one real outcome. If you've got a decent, if you've got someone that's a decent set-piece taker or a decent finisher, ball was rolled to Tadic, top bins it goes. Not much you can do about it. Uh, Mijerland then dragged one back in the 18th minute through Dreyer. And to be honest with you, that's pretty much what happened for the rest of the game. Uh, not much happened in the second half. It was, uh, I watched the 90 minutes. It was pretty painful to watch the second half. Ajax got the job done, which leaves the table looking as such. Big win for Ajax this because they drew two all with uh, Atalanta in the last week's fixtures. So you know that Atalanta have the return fixture at Anfield, which if you was a, a betting man, you'd probably back Liverpool to go full strength again and confirm their place in the knockout. Which yeah, is, so, which, so I, yeah, sorry, carry on. So no, I was going to say, so Ajax will be looking, like Ajax will be looking for Liverpool to beat Atalanta as long as Ajax beat Mijerland 
then it will come down to a, a straight shootout between Ajax and Atalanta um, in, in their game. Ed, who do you see going through this group? It's going to be as you, as you see. If you asked me at the start, I would have said Liverpool and Atalanta because I didn't think it was the Ajax team of old. But based on how the results have gone, I think Liverpool will, will play to win in the next Champions League game because that will guarantee knockout football. And then because of the fixture congestion, I expect Liverpool to play weaker sides, which benefits Ajax because Ajax then have to play Liverpool again. So Ajax could so much get a draw in that game and they'll probably go through because you expect them to win the return fixture against Midtjylland. So... OK, I'm going to go against... I'm going to go against you and I'm saying Liverpool top the group and Atalanta show the quality to go through. Ajax slipping into the Europa League. We'll see. Now, that was the end of Tuesday's games, finishing with Group D. So the start of Wednesday's games saw Chelsea beat Stab Renard 3 Nil. I've been told by Gav that since I've spent it Stad Rene rather than Rene Rens, I've got to keep that up. So that's what we will do. So there was quite a lot of referee involvement in this game. First of all, Chelsea took the lead after 10 minutes from a pen. Uh, it's a stonewall pen. I don't think you will see uh, a penalty more stonewall than that. Uh, Dalbert then got a red card on the 40th minute. Oh, I think it's a really, really harsh red card, man. It's he's got a yellow. Is the yellow is for the handball for the second penalty? It's a oh, second yellow know. card, at least to the red. It's not. A, it's not like it's a straight red. No, it's, um, but it, it's so harsh, man. Like it's not but, intentional. But you've got to accept what what the rules currently are. We've had this conversation in the early weeks of the opening season where we go, "Oh, that's not a penalty in my eyes." But they've stated, no, this is a penalty, so you have to accept that. So when I saw it happen, I thought, okay, he's going to give this. What shocked me was the yellow card. Yeah, yeah. It, it was completely unintentional. The law doesn't state yeah. he has to give a yellow card. A penalty, yes. You can give a penalty. Oh, yeah. you, don't have to, you don't have to send the player off because that completely oh, kills actually... the game. Yeah, he did. He did. It killed the game. Um, like you said, he. it's not an intentional handball. I, I honestly don't understand what the referee's thinking was with... The yellow card. I, I don't know whether that's a case of they they aren't too sure themselves currently about the rules of handballs and this that and the other. It's definitely not a second yellow card to send a guy off for that. No way. Uh, penalties dispatched by Werner again. Obviously, guy's an absolute predator. Left side again. Chelsea then went three 0 up with a well worked goal for T uh, Tammy Abraham. Reese James, who had an absolutely quality game. Doesn't look like his, his first season in Europe is, is going to overrule him. He looks great. Um, I do think it's his first season in Europe. I might be wrong. Uh, great cross for Abraham. Low cross. Decent first-time finish. Chelsea run out 3-0 winners. Pretty much easy as that. Not much else went they're playing, on. They're playing better football, aren't they? Because they, they stumbled out the gates after a lot of expectation. But it looks like the new faces is you know, starting to learn each other's games. They've got a brand new goalkeeper who's kept five clean sheets, who's put Kepper's uh, Chelsea career in a coffin. And then you imagine Chelsea will continue to progress this year. They'll get better and better. They'll look like a team who's going to challenge next year. I expect them to probably finish. If they carry on the way I think they're going to go, I think they'll probably finish about fourth or third again because of the firepower they've got. Zayek is a brilliant player. 
yeah. you know, and then you've got to think they already had players like Pulisic, who's, you know, one of the young talents of Europe. You know, they've got a lot to go for. I do personally think Tammy Abraham, as much as he's an English striker, I don't think he's the man. I think when you've got Werner on the left and Zayek on the right, you need perhaps a false nine to link up the play. Honestly, honestly, it triggers me. It literally sets me off Werner playing out wide. He, he's one. He's a striker, right? He's a striker that can play out wide. He's the complete opposite of Rashford. He's the left he's forward. A uh, he's no, a striker that can play out wide. He, he like he can play out wide if you need him to. Like back in my day, right? I'm like, I'm six six. I'm a I'm a deep. Well, I was a very decent striker. I could play out on the left if you wanted. I could play out on the left if you wanted me to. I could, but you shouldn't put me out there. Um, I think it's the same with Werner. Like he needs just put him through the middle, man. Like he he's a, he's a goal scorer. Ziyech's quality. I think talking about goal scorers, Giroud had a really, really, really good chance one on one with a keeper, and I'd have usually backed him. I like Giroud. I've always said that Giroud's finishing his quality. Really thought he was going to score. Uh, just a real quick one on Chelsea, and we'll kind of touch on it again later when we talk about the United situation. Um, I know Frank is kind of in the same boat with Ollie, where it's like there's a lot of expectation and stuff. And to be fair, the one thing I will say with Chelsea is this is what happens when you back your manager with players that they want and need. And that's that's not my United hat on or anything. That It's literally what it is. They saw that they needed a striker. They saw they needed a creative midfielder. They saw exactly what they needed. They've gone out and brought class. They haven't quibbled. They haven't got third or fourth choice players on their list. They've gone out and got Timo Werner, who everyone wanted. They've got Kai Havertz. I still don't know how they pulled that deal off. Like, that's that's a coup. You've got Ziyech, which was absolute peanuts. Again, quality deal. They've made some really, really good signings, man. And the expectation on Frank is as it should be. There should be, and it's not about money spent. Don't want to talk about money spent. It's the quality of players they brought in. The quality of players they had and the quality of players they brought in, there should be an expectation on Chelsea. Because you've added you've added that Werner, Ziyech, uh, Havertz, you've added that onto a top uh, on top of a team that's already got Kante. Like, like players like that. They're still a very, very good side. So the expectation should be there. Okay. In the same group, Sevilla beat Krasnodar 3-2. Pretty eventful game, considering it was Sevilla at home against Krasnodar. I would have expected this to have been an absolute tomping, but it wasn't, because Suleymanov, there we are, uh, scored after 17 minutes to make it Krasnodar 1, Sevilla 0. Berg was taken down with a very late challenge spotted by the VAR to step up and score the penalty. And I swear that Berg is like 37. Like he must be a thousand years old. <laughs> uh, also, I've got to mention, just forgot that the uh, first goal for Krasendor was a very, very, very nice free kick. Real nice free kick. Um, well, they had a two-goal lead. They had a two-goal lead. They had a two-goal two lead until Rakitic scored in his 75th Champions League game to make it 2-1. Now, then, this is where I thought the game would change, but it didn't really seem to change. Jesus Navas was last man, and it's cynical, red card, off you go, son. Um, It's straight red, but then, here we go. El 
Nisuri comes off the bench. I think it was off the bench and scored to make it two all. He then moments, well, is it moments later? He then scored to make it was moments later. Yeah, he then scored to make it three two to Sevilla, which is a bit of a jet, a get out of jail free card considering they were down to ten men. Yes, I know it's only crowds in the door, but they were lucky to still be in it. Now, this is Sevilla kind of have like a mirror with United at the minute because Sevilla are doing quite well in Europe but they're 16th in La Liga they're not having a very good time in the league but they're, a, they're a team that's set up for cup competitions for standalone games uh, across ac- across a domestic season the moment they fall away from the pack and in this case it's pretty early on they never seem to recover I find with Sevilla they are just suited for that knockout football. I mean, let's forget that these are the Europa League champions, the serial Europa League champions. Only winning 3-2 against a team, which is their, it's their Champions League debut. Krasnodar have never been in the Champions League before. And they were 2-0 up against the Europa League champions. If that doesn't spell problems for a team, I don't know what will. Do, do you think that they are doing their best to try and get back into the Europa League? Well, you know, back into their comfort zone. It covers up the cracks, doesn't it? I mean, I always thought Sevilla, when they were winning them Europa League after Europa League, I thought this is the making of a team which wants to break into that Barca, Real, Atletico. Because let's not forget, Real Madrid and Barcelona were dominating the Champions League. Atletico Madrid had won the league and was getting in five, they got in two finals in three years, four years. uh, Both against Real Madrid. And Sevilla were winning every other Europa League. Spain were dominating. European football, but Sevilla just never seemed to step up a level. And yeah. again, they'll probably do the same thing. Yeah, which leaves the group table in Group E looking as such. Chelsea played three, one, two, drawn one on seven points. Sevilla again, same record, but with a with a like inferior goal difference on seven points. Krasnodar on one point, Rene on one point. It's Chelsea Sevilla go through. We agreed on that. Look, look, it's gonna. It's. I don't. I couldn't tell you who's gonna come first. You know, if you was a betting man, you'd probably just pip Chelsea based on the arsenal of players they've got. But Sevilla, Sevilla have been together a lot longer, so potentially they win that group. Uh, I think whoever finishes second will be knocked out straight away because they'll be, they'll end up coming against a, a group winner. So if someone you put, horrible. That's what I mean. Um, but, you know, even first place doesn't get you a good result. I see both clubs get into the knockout stages an achievement, but I don't expect them to be a real threat in the knockout stages. Wonderful. Group F started off the evening with Zenit St. Petersburg drawing one all with Lazio. Wasn't much of a quality game, if I'm going to be honest. It's Zenit's worst Champions League start ever. Uh, Zenit did take the lead though through Erikin on the 32nd minute and the combined age for that goal was 100 years old kind of shows you where Zenit are at right now and that was pretty much it until Saicedo equalised for Lazio in the 82nd minute with his first Champions League goal at the ripe old age of 32 so it was the old front doing the business in that game literally not much else went on in that game. So moving on to Club Bruges versus Borussia Dortmund. 
And there were... Oh, I've, got, I've done them scorelines the wrong way around. Uh, there was three goals in that game, but it wasn't Bruges, it was Dortmund. Uh, Dortmund took the lead through Hazard, which is... Uh, that's his first... That's his first goal. First Champions League goal in four years for Eden Hazard. Not Eden Hazard. Thorgan Hazard. See, that the, uh, the, the Bruges is uh, throwing me around. So Thorgan Hazard is his first Champions League goal in four years. Um, but then... After that, you know who scored in the 18th and the 32nd minute. It's Erling Haaland. It's, and do, do you want to know a horrible stat, right? So he scored 14 and 11 in the Champions League. But do you want to know an even more ridiculous stat than that? Go. I'm sure you're going to tell me. He has scored against every single team he's faced in the Champions League. Every single this, team yeah. he's played against. Haaland, Haaland, every single team he's played against in the Champions League, he scored. Are you sure? I don't remember him ever scoring against Liverpool. Or did he score in that 4-3 Anfield? He must have. He must have. I can't imagine they would have. Yeah, yeah. Haaland has scored. That's, that's, the, that's the stat I've got. He scored in every single game. Again, if you're looking at that, I've done that backwards. Bruges did not beat Dortmund 3-0. They lost 3-0. So Borussia Dortmund won 3-0. Uh, For a debut, Minion. Joe, you've, you've been on a pretty good hot streak. I'll give it to you. Yeah. We've got to one of the last few games before you've made a mistake. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so Mignolet, few of those... There's not, not much you can do. He's a great shot stopper. Mignolet's a great shot stopper. He just cannot command a box to save his life. Yeah, he, he was very, very, very flappy, uh, very indecisive with some of them. Honestly, not much to talk about. Haaland, uh, one of the goals, uh, he had a, I think it was a header and then it dropped to him again and he tapped in the rebound. And then the other goal was pretty uh, tapping. It was it was pretty much that. He does Dortmund seem to have out. the greatness, doesn't he, this Haaland? Oh, 100%. The, the guy, but it, this is not news. The guy the guy had a great season like last year. He was known about the year before as well. Um, it, it, it'll only be a matter of time. Like that, that release clause in his Dortmund contract is scandalously low. Um, he, he looks like the real deal as well. It's not a case of he's scoring goals in inferior leagues. He's coming to the Champions League, even when he was at Salzburg, just bosh, goal, Dortmund, goal. The minute he went to the Bundesliga, I think it was first game, goal. Scored. A, did he score a hat-trick in his first game or his first few games? Like oh, the, the guy is, yeah. Well, was he, it in his first game, was it? First game, yeah. Um, yeah, he, 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 yeah he, he's missed a consistency. He doesn't crack under any pressure. You know, I think narrative suggests that we're going to see a lot of Mbappe and Haaland coming against each other throughout their career. Perhaps fill the void if they both live up to expectation left by Messi and Ronaldo. But we, we did say in one of our um, in one of our previous videos, we did say that I think it was the award show. We said that the the next Ballon d'Or for basically the next few years, it's Mbappe and Haaland. Like I think Neymar yet again, which is going to upset him, is going to be overshadowed by someone else let alone his teammate at PSG. But he's I think... always the fourth best. He's always the third or fourth best. But he's always he's always the bridesmaid. Neymar is always the bridesmaid. He he left Barca because he wanted to be in the spotlight, got to PSG, and Mbappe turns up. Wah, yeah. wah. Like, that's it. Like, you're done. You, you're not... Not only is the team French and he's like the... He's like... World Cup winner. The, yeah, it woke up well, not even just that. He's the, he's the prodigy. He's the, he's the country's prodigy. He, you're playing for the capital... He is the French prodigy. Mbappe could have half the talent of Neymar and it would still be a case of Mbappe over Neymar. Which leaves, speaking of Borussia Dortmund, it leaves Group F looking as such. 
Dortmund with three games, two wins and a loss on six. This is a very tight group. Lazio played three, won one, drawn two on five. Club Bruges played three, won one, drawn one, lost one on four. Zenit down there, just as you'd expect, one point. Ed, who goes through this group? Dortmund, Lazio. Lazio, they fell off towards the back end of the last year in Syria probably due to COVID-19, like a lot of teams, but they still possess that good side. Dortmund are by far the the, the best side in that group, especially... You said, I, I do on. think Zenit in, Zenit in the game uh, against Lazio, I think they had, again, they had a lot of... They've got loads of COVID restrictions on their players and, how many, and who they can select and who they can't. So that's really affecting them as well. But yeah, I think... I'd say Dortmund-Lazio, but one, one freak result... For Lazio, if they lose another game and Bruges win, uh, there could there could be different connotations. But Lazio plays in it at home. I know that might not mean much, but I'm fairly sure there is some of a fan base in Italy. Have they got some. Fans uh, yeah, some some of the places in Europe are, are still allowing fans. So if the, if that's the case, you know Lazio will be favourites to win. If Lazio go on to eight points in the group and Club Bruges lose again to Dortmund, you know, that's a four-point lead with only two games remaining. So, Lazio have to be favourites. Yeah. Anyway, moving on from that group, we have Group G, where the first game of the evening was Barcelona versus Dynamo Kiev. Um, I thought this would be a lot... Should have been. Yeah, well, Barca could have won 6-7-0. Honestly, it was Lionel Messi's 150th Champions League game. Um, and he scored a penalty. Goals, 117 goals as well, just to throw that one out. Yeah, he scored a penalty after five minutes. Uh, you probably won't see a more Stonewall penalty across Europe than this. It's, it's ludicrous. Yeah. Messi, it's only one outcome. Uh, it's a Stonewall pen. Now, before they went 2-0 up, Antoine Griezmann, who has not had a great time at Barcelona, the balls come to him back post. It's an open goal. The keeper is no, he's nowhere to be seen in the picture. It's literally an open goal. And he's tucked it the wrong side of the post. He is not having a great time. And when your confidence isn't high, it doesn't work. He... I think we all knew this. In the matter, even with, no matter who he was linked with, Griezmann was, I think, big fish at Atletico, and I think the Barca move was just one move too big for him. What do you think, Ed? The thing is with Griezmann, he, when a new manager, when the new manager came in, I believe he was there when the last manager was in. Yeah, there was a manager after Valverde. Um, sorry, it's the Barcelona dish out managers. If I forget a name or two, you'll have to forgive me. Uh, but he always has spells where you think, oh, okay, is Griezmann going to kick on and be the Griezmann of old? And then he just kind of falls back into Messi's shadow. Now, Messi, obviously, we had a lot of talk in the summer. Was, was he finally done? Because Messi, in the last three or four years, has carried that Barcelona team and they've not supported him back. You know, he, he dragged them to two semi finals and the rest of the team couldn't put a shift in. Koeman's come in. Took out one of his best mates, one of the most clinical strikers in the past five years in Luis Suarez. Whether he deserved to go because he was falling out of form is up for debate. I'd probably say he was. But Messi just doesn't look there anymore. 
He's physically there on the pitch, but he does not look like he wants to be in that team. He walks. Well, even I know he just does that a lot, but he genuinely just doesn't care. Yeah, even him being on the pitch physically isn't isn't that imposing. Um, yeah, so Griezmann missed that absolute sitter. Uh, Got to have a massive shout out. I can't pronounce your man's name. Let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot. Oh, I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna oh. give it a shot because he because he he's worth it. Ruslan Nesharet in the Kiev net was an absolute freak. Third choice goalkeeper due to injuries and COVID. 18 years old, and some of the saves he was making were unbelievable. The save from Messi's free kick, it's going top bins. He sees it late. He gets so far across his goal. like He moves a mile before he even dives to tip it around the corner. Absolute wonderful save. On Sofa score, they've literally given him a 9.7. 12 saves, 8 from inside the box, and they've only lost 2-1. Absolute, absolute great performance. PK scored a really nice header as well. Um, he loves to linger. He loves to linger in the box after a set piece or a corner because he obviously PK used to be a striker. If you didn't know, the more you know. Um, and he does linger a bit. Great crossing. PK dispatches it 2 1. Uh, Kiev do get a goal back. It's a really, it's a, it's a tap in at the, at the far post. Uh, to Stegen. Even though he didn't have too much to do, he was pull- he pulled off a few half decent saves. But it's Barcelona; they could have won five, six, seven if it wasn't for this eighteen-year-old goalkeeper. I mean, that that I mean, we'll, actually, no, we'll talk about it when we bring it to the table. It'll be much more fitting once we get that up. Yeah, which I which I will I will do now because that was, that was that Juventus. Oh yeah, we have still got Juventus. We have still got Juventus. Right. Now this is where this is where it hurts. Juventus versus You can do it. Ed Jorgo. <laughs> Ferran Ferran's It's obviously it's obviously Ferran Cafosi. Obviously. Oh, oh there we go. I've got is a little it? bit of a list. So me saying Ferran Ferran Cavossi. Right. So, so team team Ferran lost four one to Juventus. Uh, where Cristiano Ronaldo did not even score a single goal, but he did assist one. It was more of a Alvaro Morata slash defensive crisis kind of football game. Kind of want to take us through the goals. Yeah, it's the first time uh, Juventus have scored four goals in the Champions League since September two thousand sixteen. Um, wow. Morata Morata scored his first goal on the seventh minute, which uh, it was Morata's hundredth Juve appearance, which is crazy considering the guy has had more clubs than a seal in the North Pole. Um, easy, easy finish. Uh, the defense the defense literally went to sleep. It was a nice ball across the box. And whoever the defender is, marking Morata, Morata literally, stand, like, literally just takes a step in front of him, behind him, and just sticks a foot out. Goal. Uh, that's what you want from your striker. Um... The third goal is probably well. Actually, it's not even the third goal. There's a few of these goals. Um, it's two of these goals, honestly. Two of these goals. Yeah. Oh no! It, the Morata did score a good goal to make it two 0 But the Dybala and this Diwali own goal on the seventy-two and whatever minute that was are literally carbon copies. Now it's your first season in the Champions League, and it's so Sunday League. You know what it's like, right? It's nil-nil. Keep it tight, lads. Keep it tight. One of the passes is pretty much halfway on and it's the most perfect through ball you've ever seen and the keeper messes it up and it's a goal. 
The second one, right, so you've already conceded one in the game. Don't do it again. Second one, <laughs> again, back, back pass from the halfway line. Keeper takes a touch, and it's literally, the, the first touch is literally basically come up to his chest. Uh, then the second touch is just an, oh, oh yeah, the first one, sorry, let me just backtrack. The first one is when he hit it straight out of Dybala, didn't he? He's tried to be clever, and he's like playing a pass, and he's just hammered it at him. Oh, no, that is the second one. That is the second one. He, like, he takes a horrible touch, hits it at him. Just both goals are so avoidable. They're just terrible back passes straight through like through balls. The keepers had a terrible time. When when you're such a small club playing your first season in the Champions League against against the Giants, the old lady, the last thing you need is back passes like that. But the own goal one is so special because it's a tragic back pass. The keeper messes it up and then the ball is like on the line and the geezer literally smashes it off the underside of the crossbar to go in for an own goal. It was honestly, honestly beautiful. Um, fair play to them though because they did get their first Champions... Is it their first... It was their first Champions League goal, wasn't it? It was their first, yeah. Their first Champions League goal. If you're going to score a first Champions League goal as a consolation against anyone, you may as well make it against Juventus. Uh, it was a good, good goal, good finish, but that 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 pretty much was it. The Juventus were very wasteful. Uh, it was almost like they were playing with their food. Uh, Juve, uh, Juve, Ronaldo could have scored a few times. Him and Morata. There was a few times where they were both trying to set each other up one twos, walking it in the net where one of them probably should have just probably should have just scored. There was, a f- there was a few instances of that. But when you've got the confidence to know you're going to win that game, you- you're going you're gonna to take it. Ed, Morata at Juventus. Is is it for real this time? Or is he already, at his young age, a European journeyman? It was for real the first time at Juventus. But that's what set him on his journey of moving from club to club hoping to achieve more and sustain the kind of performances he did at Juventus the first time around. He should have stayed at Juventus. You know, clearly certain leagues, certain styles, managers, I think it was a whole combination of things. Doesn't suit Alvaro Morata. I thought maybe at Atletico he'd find a similar... Because Juventus, at times, I could say they play quite a similar football, Juventus and Atletico. 100%, yeah, I agree. But, you know, once again, I mean, as much as he scored uh, goals against Liverpool to knock them out... I wouldn't say he had a standout season. Uh, So to have have the faith in him to come back to Juventus after, you know, some difficult times, he looks like he never left. He suits the system once again. You know, I think, I mean, he's had a lot of goals disallowed this year. So if you think he's doing well, it could have been a lot better. I mean, Sorry, he's the new Filippo Inzaghi. He is born offside. He had a hat-trick of goals disallowed at the weekend for being offside. Yeah, I know. It's, it's unbelievable. But when you've got a, a thing is, he suits Juventus perfectly. But what Juventus have now, which they didn't have before, instead of Paul Pogba, they've got Cristiano Ronaldo, who just makes the whole team play better. You know, they, they feel more confident. Like, I, I expect to see a much different game when Barcelona play Juventus with Cristiano Ronaldo in the team. Yeah. So now it leaves the group looking pretty much as you'd expect. No real surprises. Barcelona, well, the one real surprise that Juventus have lost, but Barcelona played 3-1-3 with a goal difference of seven, leaving them on nine points. Juventus played 3-1-2, lost one. And Kiev and Ed's favourite pronunciation, Ferenc Varos, however pronouncing it, um, both on one point. It looks like it looks like Kiev will go through to the Europa League if 
if their group comes through sort of thing. Uh, it's very much to expect. Barca-Juve, next game. Well, when no, they play each other again. I mean, I think that'll be the decider on who gets top spot. But yeah. so much of a draw will get Barcelona through uh, because uh, obviously they're already three points behind. But um, Juventus, I'm happy with their performances. They look like they're trying to find a style of play that suits them. It's the old traditional Juventus style of play. Barcelona, I think the, this Champions League nine points is really covering over the cracks because domestically they're poor. They're behind... I think where are they sitting in the league? I think they're sitting below 10th, certainly below 10th in La Liga. Messi doesn't look like he wants to be there. They look worse than they did in the previous three years. And the previous three years, they didn't win a Champions League title. I think Barcelona will get through. They might even finish top. The moment Barcelona play inside in the knockout stages, they're getting chucked straight out the Champions League. And this whole Messi leaving Barcelona is going to unfold again. Koeman, Koeman has walked into... A haunted job. There's no way he's going to be given the time or the financial money to to sort that out. Juventus, they're more of a threat in the Champions League, I think. Yeah, Barcelona. As you were saying, Barcelona is currently sitting twelfth. Um, yeah, twelfth. There you go. Which, then. which looking at looking at other um, leagues across Europe, there's a few of those weird standings knocking around. Speaking of which, that leads us to the last group. Yeah, and it is. Manchester United losing 2-1 to Basakshir. Um I'm not going to I'm actually not going to go on about this one too much. Um there is quite a lot to there is quite a lot to say. There is quite a lot to say but I'll kind of get it out real quick. Um first goal is an absolute embarrassment. Um literally all 11 players up for a corner. Demba Bar he isn't the fastest of people anymore but he he knows what he's doing. He's, on, he's literally, you can see it, when the camera zooms out, right, before United even lose possession, Demba Bar was literally stood there, hand in the air, like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. The minute United lose possession, you can literally hear the Basakshir bench shouting, like, I'm assuming they're shouting, play the ball, play the ball. Because the minute the ball comes to the defender, he's literally one pass over the top of everyone. Bar in his own half, in his own half in the, in the semicircle of the halfway line, He's onside. He's he's off and away, literally. And the only one person chasing him is Emmanuel Matic. Ed, me and you after a session. Well, me after a session, as Ed doesn't drink anymore. Me and you, me after a session is outpacing Nemanja Matic. It's honestly comical. Dean Henderson straight away when the goal goes in. It's a good finish, but Dean Henderson straight away at the defenders. Like to even ask where the shape is, there is no shape. It like it, I, I just don't understand. I, honestly, if I think too much about it, it's going to make my head hurt. Even worse was the second goal for Vicia, who is a decent player, by the way. Um, same again. The, where where is anyone? I don't know why everyone everyone's kind of like come across two players, if anything, because when the ball matter, first of all collects the ball on the halfway line. He takes a touch. He's facing the wrong way. He's going towards his own goal. Then gets so easily dispossessed, it's not even funny. Like, the guy is... He's a lovely guy, but he's like, what is he now, 47? Shouldn't be playing. Shouldn't be playing football. I can see why we've made changes. I'll get to that in a minute. But he loses the ball. But then, like, the cross comes in, right? It's like a daisy cut across. There's, like, four United players in a bunch... 
on the right-hand side of the box. So when the ball comes over to Visha, who's on... Well, there's two players. There's a player on the penalty spot and there's Visha on the right. There's literally no one marking him. It's, the, the, to use the cliche, they're lining up to shoot, is literally what happened. They're lining up to shoot. There was two or three players over tapping into pretty much an empty... Well, smashing into an empty net. And that this is where it raises the question. Right? I'm... I feel bad for Ollie. Don't get me wrong. Like I said about the Chelsea team, they, they, they backed Frank. Solskjaer got shafted. We all know that. He didn't get any single player he wanted. We didn't need Van der Beek. I don't know why we've signed Van der Beek. We've signed Cavani on a free who doesn't fit the play style. And I don't even think Solskjaer wanted in the slightest. He's been hung out to dry again. But on the flip side, like I said to you earlier, this is the question I now have to ask. The, the 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 goals that United conceded, those two goals, is that a case of there's three options? Either the players are that stupid that all eleven have gone up for a corner and no one's decided to stay back and no one's tracking runners or X Y Z, right? And if you're a professional footballer that's that dumb, shouldn't be playing, shouldn't be playing at the highest level. Have they down tools because they they, they want they want Potch, they want someone else, they want this, they want that. Or, listen, at the end of the day, he's the coach. Someone has to be coaching the like the defensive side of things. He has to be coaching the players. So I'm looking at both goals. I'm looking at both defensive situations. Who, who's at fault there? Are the players, is that human error? Is that the players not paying attention and, and switching off? Or is that simply down to the coaching isn't good enough? Now, I'm not going to be reactionary like everyone else is. Don't forget, this is a guy that literally last week was getting gobbled off by the press because we beat Leipzig 5-0 and beat PSG the week before. Like, it's not a crisis crisis. We're still not doing well in the league. That's another thing. But I don't... I'm at a kind of crossroads now as well. I think that someone has to take some sort of responsibility for these performances. Ed, as an outsider, what do you think? I think we could do a whole podcast on what's wrong with Manchester United at the moment. Exactly, I think that's should, what I'm... I, I think we should, actually. But if I want to be brief about it, from an outsider, I understand that it's not just the manager. And if you just get rid of the manager and replace him with someone else, let's say for his argument's sake, Pochettino, the same thing's going to happen in two years yeah. because the blueprint's been set since Ferguson left. But we'll go into that another time. Yeah. What I see from an outsider is that you set up like the second best team in every single competition you play in. What I mean by that is you flourish with counter-attacking football. When you play PSG, when you play RB Leipzig, you are like you're not going to dominate the ball as much as you would when you're playing at Istanbul, when you're playing a Premier League bottom side. So that benefits your game more. Now, that style of football suits knockout competitions. That's why you might get to a semi-final of the Europa League. That's why you might win an FA Cup. It's why the likes of Van Gaal, Mourinho, did well and won the odd uh, the odd trophy. But that's not... You're not going to do well domestically year in, year out. And you're certainly not going to win the league playing that kind of football. And I know this is a Champions League show, but I'm saying this, if you're not set up to perform domestically, how can you see yourself in the Champions League every year? Because that means you're always going to go forward, back, forward, back. I think perhaps Oli does need to go, not because he's the sole fault, 
but because you do need someone who's going to change your style of football. Maybe you don't have the players. Maybe it's going to take a long time. It's a, it's a big it's a big ask. But I just think counter-attacking football doesn't suit Manchester United. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, well, to an extent, it, like we should counter-attack when we are playing teams that do have a stronger squad. But to set out to counter-attack teams like Basak Shear is just... It's just dumb. Um, yeah. I think the team selection was completely wrong in this game. Team selection was completely wrong against Arsenal. Um, we'll keep it to the Champions League, though. Uh, yeah, I think the team selection is wrong. I just think there's... I understand what he's trying to do. We've won our first two games that no one expected us to win. So this was the wiggle room game to start some players that wouldn't normally play matter, stuff like that. I understand. But at the same time... If we if we'd have won this game, if we'd have won this game and PSG lose like they did, getting onto that in a minute, if we'd have won this game and PSG would have lost, we'd have, pra- we'd have practically qualified, mate. Like what? And it's got to that point. It's got to that point now where we are resting players in a Champions League game that we could qualify practically qualify because we've got Everton at the weekend who are practically on our level at the minute. But no, Matt. Ma- yeah, exactly. Martial scored to make it two-one. It was a header. You don't see him score them often. Uh, we had a, we had a, I say we. Manchester United had a clearance, a clearance, a chance cleared off the line, and at the ninety-second minute. And the only reason it's not come back off the underside of the bar is the guys. It's lucky the guys sliced it and it's gone up and over the bar, sort of thing. But absolutely not good enough from United. And yeah. Dropping points. Now, the next game, this was the one. This was the one. Leipzig beat PSG 2-1 at home. Now, things started out okay for PSG with Di Maria scoring after six minutes. That was about as good as it got for the entire game for them. Uh, Nkunku scored to make it one all nice low drive from the edge of the box against his former club, which must have felt nice because he got absolutely ditched by them. Uh, yeah, and then it kind of... The, the whole game just got a bit silly. So, Forsberg scored a penalty after 57 after Kimpembe handled. Uh, it's, it's a penalty. Uh, mm, actually, there hold you on. Go. Hold, there you go. There you go. Hold, no, hold Back on, hold on. I've missed, I've missed something. I've missed something. Everybody's hot topic favourite poster boy at the minute, Ampaya Meccano, literally sets up Di Maria for that goal. Well, again, I don't know what I don't know what's happened this weekend in Europe. This week in Europe, sorry, Ampaya Meccano again halfway line, just the most dreadful back pass you've ever seen, playing the team into trouble, and uh, and Di Maria scored. Um, yeah, then Nkunku scored. Then Forsberg scored. The pen. Then Adrissa Gay got sent off on the 69th minute. Now, his first yellow was r- real, real crunchy. Um, it was kind of like a 50 50, but it was very crunchy, if you know what I mean. Like, a Gay has gone in, um, it, it is pretty hard on him. Um, the second, the second yellow, it, it's for a very um cynical chop in, in the end. Um, I've said that the the handball against Kimpembe, um, honestly, we're, we're back to this situation. We, can't, we we must talk about this every show. I, I don't know what people need to do with their hands to, to not give away penalties. Cut them off. Like, honest, 
honestly, well, at this point, what do you, like what do you do? It's literally straight at him. I don't like he hasn't made any attempt to try and play the ball with his hand. He hasn't tried to put his hands in the way of the ball to stop anything. It's an absolute like a travesty uh, of a decision. Um, but those at the minute are the rules, and and some teams are profiting from them, some teams aren't. Uh, and then Kimpembe was shown his marching orders in the 95th minute for a very cynical second yellow, uh, pretty much last man challenge, just decided to take the guy down. It is what it is. Now, results and goal scorers aside, I wanted to talk about this for two minutes, just like, uh, just like Ed did with the Firmino thing. I just wanted to have a two-minute quick little uh, jib-jab about Thomas Tuchel at Paris Saint-Germain. Um, I honestly think he's probably been their most underwhelming and underperforming manager since the money came in. And I know there's been a few of them, but they've won the league. You're expected to at PSG. You're literally expected to. That team, the second string should be winning that league every season. Now, last season, they lost the French Cup. They started this season by losing their first two games. In the Champions League now, they've been beaten by an awful United side. They've been beaten by Leipzig. They're, they're having a terrible, terrible, terrible time. They're not going to get out of this group. And I can imagine that the owners who literally all they want, the last piece of the puzzle, this is what the money is for, is the Champions League. The fact that they didn't do it last season, they got so, so close yet so far. And this season, everything they've had in the league and their start to the Champions League season, he surely, surely is on borrowed time. I don't think he's a great manager. I don't think... I can understand why he... Like me and Ed were saying this earlier, we understand why he went through the ranks as he did it with Dortmund, wasn't it? Yeah, Dortmund. Yeah. We can understand that. The PSG job was just a very... I think he was like a hipster manager at the time and they and they, they had the opening and it was a good name to bring in for a project. Uh, it just hasn't worked. And I know they've had issues with injury and at the start of the season they've had X amount of players out with coronavirus and stuff. But, I mean, like I said, their, their B team should be beating certain teams. And it's just not clicking. Even games when he's got Di Maria... Mbappe, Neymar out on the pitch. It's still not clicking. And I just think, as John Cena once said, your time is up. And I, and I really <laughs> think that... I had to slip that in there. I really think right. that... I really think, I really think Tuchel... If they... If, if, if PSG don't win in the league this weekend, it's game over. 100%. I agree. Like, I agree. Yeah. I agree. yeah. And, and, and like, it sounds like I'm passionate about a team that I don't even support, but... It's it's just crazy that other certain managers from other teams or other or other leagues get this just stick twenty four seven and my man's over here like just coasting and uh, and getting away with it and it just, it just it just seems just seems strange and I can't I can't imagine that Mbappe will be sticking around for another year in France. Do you? No, he's he's achieved he's achieved enough. I mean, he's obviously didn't bring that. Champions League home last year. Oh, you know, I, I love Mbappe. He should have performed better in that Champions League last year. But I mean, there's only so much criticism I can give him. He, sh he absolutely showed in the World Cup. He won. The, he won the league at PSG. He's won the league at Monaco. So he's proved he doesn't need the top team to do it. He's a proven winner. But PSG are not going to challenge for European trophies. 
and you're just going to waste your career away in a farmer's league. You're actually probably going to get become a worse footballer playing in League 1 for so long that when you come to Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga, you're going to struggle week in, week out. Not even just the quality, but the how intense it is, the physicality. It could do your career more damage than good staying in League 1. Yeah. And, and I was I was saying only saying the other day about when we were talking about Mbappe that when United beat PSG, Mbappe the only time he had any decent chance or was had any decent chance of scoring was himself. Like he got the ball, he beat a defender, he he made De Gea make a quality save. That like the only time he ever had anything created for him was he was having to create it himself because like I was saying. You had Neymar, Di Maria, and Mbappe, but then the midfield three was Adrissa Gay, Pereira, and Herrera, who were three holding midfielders, not known for their passing. So you've got no creativity. Like the guy needs to get out of there ASAP. Like he's literally trying to be quarterback, wide receiver, and everything all at once. Gav, that's for you. Um, like you can't, you can't do that, especially at such a young age. Like just get yourself out of there. Mbappe will bounce. Whether it's Madrid, whether it's Liverpool, who knows? But he needs to get out. Anyway, that result leaves Group H looking like this. Manchester United and Leipzig, both on six points. May not with a superior goal difference. PSG on the same points as Basak Shear after three games. Now, if you'd have if you'd have told me that before a ball was kicked in the Champions League, got a slapture. Uh, I genuinely think PSG will meet Inter Milan in the Europa League. I can't see, I can't see anything other than United Leipzig. What about you, Ed? So it's a tricky one because Manchester United psychologically have to deal with a lot more pressure than PSG, be it with the stature of the club, the the emphasis on the Premier League. You will beat Istanbul on the return fixture. I've no doubt in my mind about that. At Old Trafford, you'll play a strong team, you'll win. If PSG don't beat Leipzig, I'll be with you. Manchester United, Leipzig. But if PSG beat Leipzig, I think it'll be Leipzig and PSG go through and not Manchester United. Ooh, okay. okay. No, because, no, because, because if, I, I, I just think... Confidence is a big factor with United. I think if you if you find yourself, I don't think you'll be PSG and Leipzig a second time around. That's all I'm going to say. I think we'll beat one of them, and I think hopefully that'll be enough. But I, a draw I, will again, be enough. A draw will be enough. We're not playing well enough at the minute. Again, this is why I'm so annoyed at the team selection that if we'd have won that game, would would have been through. We literally would have been through. So. But regardless of if Manchester United get through, you don't expect them to to go very far. But the, probably they can do some damage due to their style of play, counter-attacking football, if we state it. But let's say Manchester United don't win it, and that's very likely. Will they even be in it next year? Because domestically, they're not performing. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, just, I think we've got a quick, quick one here from... Yeah. I'm assuming, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's, but it's, Emery, he came second in a one-horse race. Yeah, he did. Uh, PSG have not had the best time of it, to be perfectly honest. Right, well, that seems like a wonderful time. We've had to cover a lot of games. 
there's been a lot of heartache. There's been, well, not a lot of heartache. There's only one English team that seems to be giving me anyone heartache. Um, but yeah. Not giving me heartache. No, exactly. That's what I mean. You, you lot are fine. You lot, are, you lot are doing, doing yourself, doing, doing what's good. Um, yeah, don't mind, don't mind you. Well, anyway, thank you very much, guys, for joining us for the first of what will be many Champions League review shows from me, Cotton, and Ed. Hello, goodbye, love you all. Equally. Hello, goodbye. So yeah, it's a uh, two up top. You can find all, all of our stuff all of the good stuff here subscribe to the youtube channel youtube.com football twitter instagram facebook it's all at two up top football follow it for the latest information about shows when we go live what's coming up spotify and apple music is where you'll find the podcast including this one so just make sure you go follow the page give us a like on the videos it really helps We've got um, a new episode of Five in Midfield coming out with Stephen and Dylan from Two Up Top. And we've also got the Premier League review show Sunday at 9pm. Yes, we do. Hopefully I won't be crying again. But anyway, yeah, wonderful. Thank you for joining us on what has been the first of the Champions League show. So we will see you all on Sunday. Thank you very much. See you later.